Tonight, of course, the talk is on gratitude and also generosity. For many of us, this uh, North American holiday that we call Thanksgiving gives us an opportunity to reflect on our blessings and reflect on the um, places in our lives that we can be grateful, where we can give thanks. Quite a few of you today mentioned that upon going into the dining hall and seeing the beauty of the tables, the centerpieces and the tablecloths and the abundant food, the abundant giving of the food, there was a natural welling of happiness which comes uh, during this day. All the food, all of the loving care in preparing the food was offered with great loving kindness, with great metta. And I think all of us felt that. So there were tears of joy, tears of gratitude, uh, tears of, um, sometimes tears of missing home also. All of that coming with an open heart, an opening of the heart. And the offering and practicing of the Dhamma, we have a lot of gratitude for, of course. The understandings that can only come through the opening of the heart, through the experiential knowledge that is received through our practice. So there's so much, there's so much to open our hearts with, to feel grateful for. And... Um, I'm reminded of a beautiful saying of Rumi. Giving thanks for the abundance is actually sweeter than the abundance. So when we feel that gratitude in our hearts, that giving thanks, it's, it's a lot sweeter, I think. So tonight I want to weave the two, gratitude and generosity, together in a Dhamma talk because The development of these two support the development of wisdom, nourish our hearts, uh, maintain that wisdom as it deepens and grows in our hearts. The Buddha said, there are two kinds of remarkably rare and precious beings in this world, those who are generous and those who are grateful two kinds of remarkably rare and precious beings, those who are generous and those who are grateful. And also the Buddha said, a grateful person is mindful of benefits done to him or her. This gratitude, this mindfulness, is congenial to the best people. It is altogether a feature of the best people this gratitude and mindfulness of benefits. So in in looking up in the suttas, I found about gratitude also this uh, quote of the Buddha. A person of integrity is grateful and acknowledges the help given to him or her. This gratitude, this acknowledgement, is second nature among admirable people. It is entirely on the level of people of integrity. 
And so the development of gratitude and generosity lifts us in our lives, nourishes our deepening of understanding. It also helps us to realize our deep interconnectedness with all of life. To me, gratitude and also generosity is a very practical, holy communion with life. Because in that moment, it it feels like there is not a separation between my heart, my life, and the hearts and lives of others. It dissolves a sense of separateness when this happens. There's a sense of being uh, part of the great web of life, not, not separate, not apart, but part and parcel of the great web of life. There's this deep realization that my being on this earth, my living here, depends on the kindness of others, truly. And so also that others who are here depend on my kindness, depend on my help uh, to live, to continue their lives. So I see gratitude and generosity as one of those sacred cycles or sacred circles of life that is important to recognize. When we're mindful of the benefits through generosity, through gratitude, then each one uh, builds the other one up, and the cycle becomes very strong. The circle, that circle of sacredness, becomes very strong. We receive, we give, we receive, we give, we receive, and we give until our last breath. So that with our last breath, we are continuing to give gratitude. We're continuing to give goodness in in the world. In Hawaii, the breath is one of those sacred cycles. Um, And we are taught to recognize it on a daily basis. So our elders have taught us the real meaning of the word of aloha. So aloha, as probably many of you know, can mean hello, can mean goodbye, can mean love, uh, can mean care. And uh, our our elders, who we call the kapuna, recognize that uh, we must share our lives with others and our life representative by the breath. The part of the word aloha that means breath is ha, the, the last part of it, ha. And so we have been taught that when we greet each other, we greet each other with a ha uh, as we embrace each other, and to each ear we say ha, and then to the other ear on the other side we say ha, we give that breath. We receive that breath from another. And this is a daily and many times during the day sometimes recognition of that I share my life with you. I share my life with you through the recognition that this breath connects with you and with all of life. So that has been a very important learning and recognition on a daily basis as as I've lived in Hawaii. Also in the word thank you in Hawaiian, the word is mahalo, ha, another ha word. 
It's like receiving the gift, receiving the gift with one's breath, mahalo, and really receiving fully um, because we know that it's important for that cycle of life to truly take place uh, in order for us to live in a fulfilling way. Oftentimes when people offer me a gift, I understand how important this receiving is because it's not just for me to receive the gift, but it's important for that other person to be able to give. So it's so important for me not to deny anyone's gift because it would deny them their, their breath, their ability to connect, to ha, with my life, with other people's lives. So giving and receiving, uh, giving, generosity, and this kind of thanksgiving, conducive to wisdom, supports wisdom, because in both the giving and in the thanksgiving, there is a sense that we can feel that this moment is enough. This moment is good enough. I don't need any more than this moment. If we reflect on the times when we've truly felt gratitude, when we've truly received and we felt that sense of settledness in our hearts, in our minds and bodies, there is moments, moments of time when we can feel we don't need anything that just this moment of our heart opening, we feel okay. And also in giving. Of course, we have to feel like there is enough in order to give. We're not coming from a poverty kind of consciousness. And so it takes, it takes that uh, development of that place of this life can be enough, this moment can be enough. In a moment of um, giving, there is an absence of greed during that moment. And this is what is conducive to wisdom, to understanding that non-clinging is possible in this moment of offering a gift, opening our hearts. Also in the moment of giving, Uh, even before the moment, there's an absence of ill will. There's a feeling of metta during that time, a feeling of that deep connection that comes with metta, that uh, we want to connect with that person somehow. Metta, goodwill. So this is the absence of hatred. This is a moment of non-hatred. So in giving and also in Thanksgiving, we feel this uh, moment of non-clinging. In giving and in thanksgiving, we can feel these moments of non-hatred. And it also is conducive to wisdom because it brings about the diminishing of selfishness, of self-centeredness, where we're not always worrying about me, mine, or I, or not looking at... uh, what we need in life at that moment, that it's a moment when we can feel completely fulfilled. 
there's a possibility for that. This bringing about a sense of non-separateness, a sense of non-selfishness, is so important in our practice. Because a lot of our practice has, uh, a lot of the suffering in our practice has to do with clinging to a sense of I, clinging to a sense of me, clinging to a sense of mine. Achan Shah said, if you don't understand non-self, you can understand it through non-selfishness, through giving. I'd like to um, focus a bit more right now just on the practice of generosity and um, later on more about the practice of gratitude. The practice of generosity is about sharing ourselves with others, sharing our lives with others, our um, material resources, our energetic resources, um, our time, just our openness of heart to listen to another person without, uh, without needing to give any advice even, just giving of ourselves in, in any way, the sharing of our lives. This practice not only benefits the receiver, but it also nourishes our highest aspirations. One time when I was taking care of Manindraji, um, he was, what happened was during that time he was recovering from surgery and he was at my home and um, he was home from the hospital and I cooked for him and took care of things in the morning and then I went out to do my work. I worked in the town nearby and then I would come back at lunchtime and fix something for him and maybe change his dressing, his bandage and then go back to work, and then come back again in the evening. And he said to me, um, I want you to understand the, the value of what you are offering. It's important that you understand this with wisdom. And I, he asked me, why am I doing this? Why am I offering him uh, all of this generosity, this dana? And I said, well, it's just what I was brought up with. I you know, you're my teacher. I want to help you get better so you can serve others. It's a great honor for me to serve you. And I knew it was a, quite a big, big blessing because he's one of our Dharma treasures. But of course, I wasn't doing it because I felt like I was going to get something out of it, not even good karma. I just, out of love, offered, offered my help to him. Later I learned that uh, taking care of those who take care of the Dharma is a very important thing to do. He said that those who offer the Dhamma are offering a precious gift because they offer the deathless. They offer the ability, the possibility to live with one's heart, freed from greed, hatred, and delusion. This is the deathless a heart that's freed from greed, hatred, and delusion. And so um, he said to me that you can practice generosity in two ways. 
you can practice with wisdom, truly understanding the cause and effect relationship of what you're doing, the near and far benefits of what you're doing, or you can um, practice uh, without wisdom. That's practicing without a full understanding. So he asked me which I wanted, and of course I wanted to understand as much as I could about what I was doing. And my, my aim from almost the very beginning of my practice is not just to have um, a more relaxed life, not to simply live uh, more in the present moment, but from the very beginning almost, my understanding about the aim of the practice is for complete liberation. And so this is what the trajectory of my path is. And anything I could understand about that, I wanted to do in a very conscious manner. So what Manindra wanted me to do was to bring this understanding of the practice of generosity out of the limited realm of habit, of, well, we just do it because it's a a good habit to do it. It's a wholesome habit, of course. But there has to be something more than that. What Manindra wanted to do was to bring it in the realm of wise attention, of uh, of wisdom, why we're doing this as a wisdom understanding. So I thought how true it is, and all of you too may see... uh, for yourselves, how true it is that we usually practice generosity out of the fact that it is a kind thing to do, and we're all kind people. I'm, I'm sure we're discovering other areas of ourselves, but for the most part, we're <laughs> kind people. Uh, sometimes we do it because other people are doing it, you know, because it's the thing to do. Sometimes we feel that we're required to do, so we we practice generosity. But those aren't the ways of wisdom. Those aren't ways that we can practice generosity consciously, consciously that leads us to a total relinquishment of greed, hatred, and delusion. We're, We're just kind of following along there, which is good, but it's not quite um, complete if we do it in that way. The Buddha said that generosity is the foundation of our spiritual evolution. It's the foundation of our spiritual path. We cannot really do the other paths of uh, the, uh, the other practices of sila, or harmonious living, and bhavana, the practice of um, the training of the mind and the heart, We can't do them to the fullest extent without also practicing generosity. So he always began his teachings when he gave teachings, when he went to a village or people came to him for teachings for the first time he came, uh, they came to him and he gave them the practice of generosity. And he said that it is the beginning practice for those who wish to diminish the forces of suffering, and that no spiritual life is possible without this practice, without this quality of heart. The Buddha, as we have heard in our Dharma uh, 
practice through the years, the Buddha gave many lists. And one, in order for us to take in the Dhamma in a way that we could remember and understand. And one of the lists he gave was the list of the three pillars of the Dhamma. The three pillars um, begin with the practice of generosity also. So there is the pillar of generosity. There's a pillar of harmonious living. I just spoke about sila. There's a pillar of bhavana, or the cultivation and the training of the mind, the opening of the heart. All of these pillars need to be strong in order for our, our spiritual life to rest upon it. If one of those pillars is not quite so strong, the other two um, aren't in, in quite the same balance, don't have quite the same kind of strength. So it's important to pay attention to all of those pillars. Um, we have a lot of teachings and, on bhavana, on the cultivation of the training of the mind, on the opening of the heart. All of the instructions that are given here are about bhavana. We have the training in sila, another thing to be grateful for, another practice to be grateful for. Um, just living with the precepts and knowing that those around us are living with the precepts every day. This is a very powerful thing. And the, the practice of generosity also, I, I feel, needs a kind of equal airing time. We don't have as much of that as we do of the others, about moral integrity, about um, the Brahma-viharas. So I wanted to devote this time to talking about generosity. The aim of the practice of generosity is twofold, as Manindra taught me, and I uh, looked more into later as I went along in my practice. The first aim of this uh, twofold aim is to free others of their discomfort, of their suffering, when we give of ourselves in any way, our time, our effort, our material goods. We bring uh, relief to others. We bring happiness to others. We bring connection to others that maybe the gift is secondarily important to the connection that we're giving them. Uh, We share our lives. The result of this first aim is that it, it results in greater ease for others. This is the first aim of the practice of generosity. And Manindra said that the second aim of the practice of generosity is actually to free ourselves. So there's both freeing of others of whatever suffering they might have in the uh, present or in the future, uh, bringing them happiness, greater ease for others. Freeing ourselves, the second aim, not that we do it with a selfish kind of agenda, not at all, but that it just, uh, our heart just opens and we remember that it would be wonderful to give. And that heart opening is the beginning of the practice of 
training our hearts to open up in a very conscious way with generosity. I know there have been some times in my life, and I want to be careful about saying this because I remember one time Sharon said it, and um, there was a bit of a kerfluffle in that. Um, When there have been times when someone has uh, annoyed me a little bit or... um, you know, I've, I've felt some ill will about someone. I've offered them a gift. And in that offering, a lot melts. My heart feels opened. And I'm able, in, the, in those times, to be able to be more with myself. There's a development of more um, concentration, of more still in my heart. And so my practice opens up just from that generosity. So I I just wanted to be careful because usually after one of us says that, there's a lot of little candies and chocolates on everybody's um, futons. So so be careful about that, and and I really ask you to refrain from doing that. Um, But I know you still will because I know you still will do it. There's a movement of the heart to let go when that happens. You know, when it's sort of like when we can give something of ourselves, we can, there's something that can let go. I remember um, recently someone wanted, um, was going through something very, very difficult. And um, this person didn't want to see me. And, uh, I didn't know it at first, but I reached out, connecting with this person. Hopefully this person would want to reconnect with me. And it didn't happen. Uh, there was no reconnection. But that movement of my heart to connect with this person eased some feelings within me, even though I felt um, sort of rebuked and not accepted by you know, not wanting to see me after I've reached out, there was something in my heart that let go a little bit, that that didn't have to um, be wrapped around whatever difficulty there was around between us. There, there's still some opening of my heart to do, I must admit, but it helped me to open a little bit, to let go a little bit. The practice of generosity diminishes the forces of attachment. These are the forces that keep us in bondage. The attachment a lot to, I'm right, you know. Um, A friend of mine once came to practice here. Gee, I'm not sure if Steve told this story. I get all my uh, retreats kind of meld together now. Uh, a, A friend of mine came to practice here. And uh, she was going through a lot of difficulty. She was seeing me during the practice, three-month course. And um, she had gone through an argument with her husband. And one day she came to see me uh, because this argument had been going round and round in her heart, in her mind. And it kept her from really doing the practice. And she said to me finally one day, she said, You know what, Kamala? I'd rather be free than right. She was letting go of her need to be right about the argument. 
a lot of times this is what our attachment's all about, just about our opinion, our judgment. And we can't see it any bigger than that limited sense by, by letting go, by giving sometimes, just giving way for another person to have their view of things. Um, this is another act of generosity. In the laws of cause and effect, in the comic laws, the results of generosity are uh, greater ease for ourselves, not just ease for others, but when we see with wisdom, it results in greater ease for ourselves, greater abundance on one level. I remember one of my aunts saying that, um, I, you know, I was raised in a Christian family, and she said, if you cast your bread upon the waters, it will come back a casserole. So, <laughs> so it does, really. I always remember that. And, <laughs> and Manindra used to say to me all the time, you know, if you're generous, any place you go, people will receive you. People will have a place for you. People will treat you um, like their family. And it's really true. I mean, it... In a way, it's just common sense that, that we don't remember so much. And uh, just taking a look at my mother, my little Filipino mother, that um, she would never let anybody go away from the house if she could help it without giving a cup of rice. Uh, we used to buy 100-pound bags of rice because we eat rice every day. She would give just a cup of rice or go out to the garden and pick some apricots, that we had an apricot tree, and uh, my stepfather grew uh, lots of vegetables, uh, Filipino vegetables, and we'd always give something. She'd always give something. So all of us have, in one way or another, this kind of training, this kind of understanding. When we can really take it in and and see how beautiful that practice is. I, I look at my mother now. She's uh, in a few days, she's going to be 88. And she's, she really wants for nothing. She Honestly, she, she gets her pension from my father, who, my stepfather who passed away. And um, she doesn't speak English very well, but she's just um, very content with herself and her life. And she, um, she's thinking about giving a lot, where to give... Um, you know, she gets an excess coming in, even though she lives very simply and she doesn't receive very much. She does play bingo a lot. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.